We are going to be turning our Bibles to Matthew chapter 8 this morning. So if you want to head there, it would be, be great that we can share together. I've been reading in the Old Testament for the last number of months, and it's exciting. And uh, I love a good Old Testament, but I really like the New Testament as well. It, uh, I think they're obviously they're God's Word. All of it is God's Word, but I really, uh, it's short. I can get through it, and I can go back and back and back, and I feel like I've accomplished something when I'm reading the New Testament. You know, six months in, I'm like, oh, where am I? So... I kind of was, I was struggling. I was like, God, I love reading your word, but I want to be obedient when I'm reading your word. And that's one thing that we can do is just be obedient and, and ask God to direct us in the scriptures. And so I was reading through um, the Old Testament and, and I felt like I could go back into Matthew and start reading that again. And so I headed back to Matthew and I just said, God, speak to me. Speak to me fresh. Speak to me new. Something that you want either me to hear, um, maybe the youth group to hear, uh, or, or even the church. And, and this one thing stuck with me, this one passage, and I'm going to read that to you right now, um, the faith of the centurion, something we've probably all read before, but I was just impressed a few things, so I want to talk about them. When Jesus had entered, again, chapter, sorry, Matthew 8, verse 5, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and this one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly I tell you, you have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. It is amazing to me that the God of the universe, the creator of all mankind, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, can say to someone just like us that he's amazed with his faith. I thought to myself, God, how can I ever amaze you with my faith? You think of, of you know, you think of God and you think of, is it possible that Jesus would be amazed and just absolutely impressed with who I am and how I am portraying my faith. There's two points in the New Testament, in the Gospels, that Jesus is amazed. Just only two that he's amazed. One of them, he's amazed at the centurion's faith. And the other time, he's amazed at their lack of faith. And that kind of scares me. That kind of makes me stop and think, where am I? If there, was a, if there was a graph, one to ten, I think this way, I think a lot of us think this way, one to a hundred, am I at 50? Am I at 75 towards impressing God with my faith? Or am I kind of dropping off. You know, I don't think we can always, we won't always be in one or the other, but I want to be closer to amazing God with my faith than I am to amazing God with my lack of faith. As we talk about faith today, um, I just want to give a little definition by N.T. Wright in Matthew for everyone. There is nothing in the New Testament to suggest that faith is a general awareness of a supernatural dimension or a general trust 
in the goodness of some distant deity, so that some might arrive at this through Jesus and some quite a different route. Faith in Christian terms means believing precisely that the living God has entrusted his authority to Jesus himself, who is now exercising it for the salvation of the world. I'll read that. Faith in the Christian terms means believing precisely that the living God has entrusted his authority, his authority to Jesus himself, who is now exercising it for the salvation of this world. Our faith is putting our trust in the living God and living like Jesus did. Let's just pray as we we move forward. Father, we thank you that we can put our trust in you. And our faith can be in you and our trust can be in your authority. And as we act out our faith, as we choose to make decisions to follow you, I pray that we would be in the camp that amazes you. And as we read and hear your word today, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us what you want us to hear. I pray that we'd be listening to you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, verse 5. Let's start off going through here. It's just a quick part of verse 5. When, this, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him. Centurion, a Roman officer, not a Jewish person. I think that's just the first thing that we have to look at. This is a Jewish, this is not a Jewish person, and Jesus is a rabbi. And, and he had to cross boundaries. And there's obstacles that was put in front of, of this man that, that, um, that he had to overcome in order to find this healing, in order to find the healing for these people. Um, there's three miracles that take place in Matthew, in Matthew's gospel, at this, in verse, chapter 8 and 9. It's, um, there's the one miracle where Jesus heals the leper, and then he, he responds to the faith of the centurion, and then heals the woman. And those are three marginalized people. And there's three marginalized um, people that are healed, and Jesus is making a statement. He says, I'm coming, and the new kingdom is coming for everybody. It's not just for one group of people. It's not just for the Jewish people anymore. It's for everybody. And I think that is the first thing that we need to realize is that this salvation that Jesus came to give is for every single person in this, in this world, in this place, everybody. And the obstacles that we have to overcome are things that we come across daily. So if we want to impress Jesus and amaze him with our faith, we have to overcome obstacles every day of our life. So he had to overcome some of these things. Pride. A Roman centurion has 100 soldiers with him and he has servants, and he has power, and he has money. He has a whole bunch of things. He would have, you know, he, the possibility, I don't say he has this, he obviously doesn't have this, but the possibility is there that he would have pride and say, you know what, I don't need somebody else. I don't need a Jewish man because I am, I am a Gentile. I'm a Roman. We, we are, you know, you get all puffed up and say, I am better. I don't need to go this route. But he says, you know what, I'm going to put down my pride. And that's what some of us need to do. Hey, I'm going to put down my pride and say, I'm going to follow Jesus, for what he wants to do. And I'm going to put down my own way and say, I'm going to go God's way. Um, he could have had doubt. Doubt in the fact, obviously, that, that Jesus might heal him, heal his servant. Um, there could have been that doubt. Or doubt that he even cared, that Jesus would even care for him. Why is Jesus going to stop what he's doing and heal my servant? Like, it's, it's, um, it's, it's I am less than Jesus, and my servant is less than me. Why is he even going to stop and heal and why am I going to even overcome my doubt? And we have so much doubt. God, you are the God of the universe. You are the God of this and that. You do everything. You've made everything. You've made water. You've made fire. You've done all these amazing things. You've made humans, and you care about my issues. And that's so huge that this centurion just said, no, Jesus is going to care about my issues. And that's, a, that's what we have to, to come to. And I know not everybody here struggles with that. But from time to time, we need to be like, hey, 
we, we have that prayer. God, do you even care? Are you listening? There's that doubt that creeps up. We say, hey, God doesn't care. But actually he does. And the centurion is showing that. He's like, I'm going to go, and I'm going to go over this obstacle of doubt and just say, you know what, Jesus? What do I have to lose? I'm going to ask him. And I know he can do it. He had money. He had lots of it. And we have Western world. We'll say Western world because I know we, we all have differing incomes. But we have resources. We have this ability to go out and do what we need. There's how much credit is allowed to us with absurd amounts of interest. But hey, you can get a TV if you want or anybody can get a car or this or that. Um, we could do whatever we want on our own, by our own merits and by our own ways. But Jesus is saying sometimes, hey, I don't want you to trust in your worldly ways. I want you to trust in me. That's what we've got to start to overcome. We've got to say, hey, I'm going to trust in Jesus and not my own resources, not my own money, not my own way of doing things. And he had to say, hey, I have a servant that's ailing. I want to trust in Jesus. And then he obviously had the race and the, the race to come over. He, had, he was not Jewish. And that's a big thing. There was no two ways about it. That there wasn't, it wasn't a, a religion that other people could come into at the time. And Jesus was showing that it's time for everybody to come in. And then self-sufficiency and power. We all have obstacles in our lives that keep us from loving Jesus or going to him. And I don't know what the obstacles are in your lives today, but he amazed God with his faith. He amazed Jesus with his faith and his ability to jump over those obstacles. We have choices every day to be able to jump over obstacles and, and, and pursue him. It's not a physical limitation that we can't serve Jesus. It's in our mind, in our spirit, in our soul. Our ability to have a relationship with Jesus is within us. We see such inspiring but horrific things that go on in this world. Persecuted people, the persecuted church, the persecuted Christians that say, hey, I am going to not let my life get in the way of me loving Jesus. I'm not going to let this little old thing called this world get in the way of me loving Jesus. If there's obstacles in our lives, it's within us that we need to give to Jesus and say, hey, I need to jump over these obstacles because, you know what, my life isn't even worth it if I don't get to be with you. And so that's the kind of inspiring thing that Jesus is amazed that he's going to jump over these hoops, as it were. He cared for those around him. In the next verse, he says, um, Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and suffering. If you have a servant, you could have a lot of servants, probably has money, and I don't want to, I don't want to, the point is that if you have a servant, you have, he's your servant, and he's less than you. And he cares for his fellow human, let a, whatever hierarchy part he's in in his life. He says later on in the verse, he says, I have people under me. They're under him, but he still cares for them. That's the most it's the most inspiring part of this, and it's two reflected stories. So, so the Roman centurion says, hey, I have somebody that I care for. Jesus, will you come down from your hierarchy, and will you love me and love this person? So he's loving someone that in the world's eyes is less than him. And then Jesus is loving someone who we have no real right to even be in the same room as Jesus. But he does that for us all the time. He says, I want to be with you, and I want to understand where you are, and I want to love you where you are. Even though I am God of the universe, I have made a way for you and I to communicate, to talk. And it's such a beautiful part. And um, his love for his fellow human 
amaze Jesus. My wife and I, we have, we have kids, and we have three of them, and they go to Aberdeen Elementary. And it's a lovely school. And I take, I take them in the morning and drop them off. And yes, it's because they're young, but I also like to, I, I'm a bit of a protective dad. So I like to walk them to the door, especially the ones in kindergarten. I like to take them to the door, make sure that, make sure that everything's okay, the door's unlocked, and all that kind of stuff. Emily, she would, she would rather run off on her own. She's like, Dad, you don't need to come with me. I'm like, you are still in kindergarten. Don't be like that just yet. So, but I love, I love being able to take her in there. And it, it, it's, it's for that protection. But also think about that. The next 10 to 12 years, if I take my son or daughter into, this, into the school every day for 10 years, I'm going to start to get to know people. And, uh, and my wife, she's met some people, this lady named Lauren. And, and they hang out sometimes. They have play dates. They take the kids along as well. It's not, not just a play date for them to. But they take the kids along. And, um, and Liz says to me, she says, I am so amazed at Lauren's love for people. I think a lot of us, probably all of us, have someone like this in our lives where they're not a Christian at all. They love people so unbelievably. And Jesus says, I'm amazed at your love for people. And then he says, then he says to his followers, there's nobody that I've seen essentially that loves people like this person loves people. I want to be someone that loves people unbelievably. Where Jesus would say, Jordan, you love somebody. And how hard would it be for me as someone that's known the salvation of Jesus? It's not a prideful thing. This is just, we know God's love and salvation, and his sacrifice for us. And if we don't love more than the world loves, we're doing something wrong. And I just know that our church has been so gracious and so loving to people. Even today, someone gave uh, $20 for Madison's school work that she's doing. So we're just loving people that way, but we're also, um, the, the family that we're bringing in from, from the refugee family, we love people. And I just want to encourage us all to keep on loving. And let's make Summit Drive, not a prideful way, people like, wow, that church loves people. It's unbelievable how much that church loves people. Our youth group, we want to be like, yeah, we might not be the most high-flying, adrenaline-rushing youth group in the world, but we love people. And that's what our mark needs to be. And that's what his mark, the centurion, he loved this person. And, uh, and this lady at her school, she loves people. I think we should see that as a challenge to make sure that we're loving people as well. Verses 7 to 10. He knew his place and Christ's authority. When Jesus heard this, oh, sorry, <laughs> seven. Jesus said to him, shall I come heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and this one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. He was amazed because I think the most important part of this story is that he knew the authority of Christ. That's how we can amaze God today, is by knowing the authority of Jesus. See, do you, um, I'm sure we've all seen those movies where there's like a kind of a university alpha gamma whatever party going on and, and probably not the best things are going on at this party and everything's happening, fun, fun, fun. And then the cops come and then like five cop cars come in and the, peop- the cops come in and all the attention draws to that police officer and they're like, uh-oh, we're in trouble. Everybody runs away, that kind of stuff. But the authority in that room shifts straight to the police officers. And that's what I feel like with Jesus. When we accept him into our lives, 
think about it this way, and I, I just a metaphor, but Jesus comes into the room. Does our, our eyes shift off of our authority onto Christ's authority? When Jesus is in our presence, and we always is, is our, is our authority on us or is it on Jesus? And do we place our authority and our trust in him or replace it ourselves? There's so much stuff that we can, that we can place higher, and we do all the time. And it's just, it's just a constant battle that we have. Do I give my family more priority than Jesus? Yes or no? Simple question. Not as easy answer sometimes, but it's a simple question. Do I give Jesus more authority than my family? Do I give Jesus more authority than my, than my, my ministry? Do I give him more authority than that? Do I give him more authority than my temptations? And do I give him more authority than my addictions? Am I putting him first? Or am I putting my stuff first? Am I putting my worries first? Am I putting my anxieties first? What am I putting first? Does he have the authority? And once we can give the authority back to Jesus, even saying it, just I give you the authority in my life, even if you're not acting it right away, just saying those words. Jesus, you have the authority in this situation, this situation, and that situation. You start to place that authority. And then Jesus can be amazed at our faith because we are saying, that we love you, Jesus, more than anything. I think it's so encouraging what he did. Um, the hard part, verse 10, the hard part for his followers to take is this. He was amazed, and truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. That would be a heartbreaking. Like if I were in that, if I were a Jesus follower, I am a Jesus follower, but in that day, if Jesus were here, I'd say, Jordan, good job, but this person over here, way better. And I know it doesn't measure up like that. I don't want to say it doesn't measure like that. But why aren't we, and are we, putting all our faith and trust in him? And are we just saying, God, I want to be that centurion. I want to be that person that you're like, wow, I'm amazed with your faith. And how do we do that? How do we do that? We say, and we take Jesus at his word. That's all we have to do. Jesus says, and he is. I know a person that's gone, gone through struggles lately, and it's been hard, but it's been so inspiring to see. Their faith has been put directly in Jesus, even though their faith in Jesus has been rocked. Their faith in Jesus has been, oh, what's happening? Where are you? Why don't I feel you? We've all been through that, where we say, hey, we have the the lovey feeling Jesus that we feel him in worship songs, but sometimes we don't feel that Jesus anymore. Sometimes we don't feel him close. And what happens at that moment? Do we go to our own devices? Do we go to our own, our own securities? Do we put it in our own money? Do we put it in our own, in our, in our own worry? Do we put it in ourselves? Or do we turn around and say, Jesus, I don't know what's happening if I put my trust in you. This story, this person was just absolutely amazing because everything was down. Everything seemed to be against them. And they say, you know what? I could go to my own devices, but no, I'm going to press in. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give my life back to you, Jesus. And you say in your word that you're the great authority. You say in your word that you love me more than anybody, and I'm going to place my trust and my faith in you, even though I don't feel it. And maybe that's where some of us are right now. We're going to go back to these two amazements. Am I amazing God with my faith or my lack of faith? And it's not a works thing. It's not something that we can do. 
but it's definitely a choice that we can make. C.S. Lewis puts this, Christians as often disputed as to whether what leads to Christian to the Christian home is the good actions or the faith in Christ. I have no right really to speak on such a difficult question, but I do that does seem to me, sorry, like asking which blade of a pair of scissors is most necessary. Putting aside our obstacles, caring for our community, doing the works, but also putting our trust in the authority of Christ. You put your trust and authority in Christ, our natural response is to work out our salvation and to work out our faith. And there are two edges of the scissors. Not one is more important. And it's such an inspirational thought to think about that. I want to leave us with this. There's a father in Mark 9 who wants his son delivered. And Jesus says, believe in me. He says, I, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Are you at that place today where you believe and you want to be amazing God with your faith, but you're, you have unbelief? I think we can all pray that prayer at times. Father, I believe in you. Help me overcome that unbelief. And if there's anything that we leave here today, it's just that prayer, reading that over again. God, I believe in you. Like the first quote by N.T. Wright saying, Our faith isn't in some far-off, distant God. It is in the authority of Christ. I believe, help me overcome my